Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. Today, Graham McMillan and I talk about our reactions to Blackest Night, the Legion of Three Worlds miniseries, the career of Jeff Johns, Amazing Spider-Man, and then uh, Jeff Johns a little more. And maybe, right at the end, somebody, I'm not naming any names, gives somebody else a little too much TMI. In any event, we hope you enjoy the installment, take the second to give us some feedback, and tune in for our next installment. Thanks for listening. Sir. Hello again. Choke. <laughs> God damn it. I knew I should have started with a choke. I'm shit. I can't believe you beat me to it. I'm really pissed now. Choke. Uh... <laughs> One solitary tear. <laughs> Falling down. Exactly. Um... Which really is a great segue into Blackest Night. Because Black... it... I, I know that you're... I think your biggest problem with Blackest Night is the emotion or lack thereof of the main thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the lack, the grounding in a solid, um, what I re- think of as, as a, a reality-based emotion, I suppose. Before And before you go any farther, I think what we should say, and I'll include a link on the podcast uh, entry is that Laura Hudson's interview with Jeff Johns about this I thought was superb. And, yes, uh, and I, I have um, been tweeting with the hashtag Laura Hudson Fan Club, and I would now encourage everyone else to do that as well, because it was a really, really good interview. Absolutely. Um, so we'll include a link to that, because I think for anyone who enjoys Blackest Night, or is even kind of on the fence, or even is kind of curious about uh, Jeff Johns, because I think it's, it is the most revealing thing that I have ever seen from the guy, at any extent, ever, um, I think it's an absolutely great read. You know, really, really interesting. Um, so, so I think. So, so, having said that, this is the point where you now just stick the knife into Jeff Jones, and, and I'm going and to wait. Him. Exactly, I'm going to wait and let you talk about him first. Uh, it, well, I, I have a different reaction to Blackest Night than you do because I think Blackest Night issue one is interesting and. It's interesting enough for me not to say whether I think I like it or dislike it from the first issue. I think there's enough there that I actually kind of like it. I just think there's an incredible potential for it to go horribly, horribly wrong, horribly quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, What I really like about the first issue is, and I think it's probably accidental, um, it almost implies there's a methodology for the Black Lanterns that I'm sure there will not end up being. (laughs) But the fact that... um, Martian Manhunter goes after Green Lantern and Flash, and Ralph and Sue go after the Hogman and Hoggirl. They're going after characters who have died. Mm -hmm. And the first thing you see is that the dead characters are going to almost claim back the characters who should be part of their team anyway. And I really like that idea. I like the idea that instead of the the Black Lanterns coming and just being like boogeymen, Mm-hmm. They're coming to restore some sort of natural order. There's some sense of, you should be dead. You should not have come back to life. We're coming to get you because of that. I think that's a much better idea than what it's inevitably going to turn out to be, which is, we're dead, you're not, we're going to scare the shit out of you. You know, I... I and let me jump in. One, one thing that I think, uh, again, that I appreciated from the Hudson interview, um, but also I'm willing to give Johns a certain amount of props for, is... I don't necessarily think that'll be accidental. I mean, there could be some other context. Oh no, I, 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 I think but... I think 
that may be why they have gone, but I think it will go from... I would rather it was, we're just coming to restore the natural order of things, which gives a, a sense of ambiguity to it. It's not, you're a monster, we have to kill you. It is, well, what does it mean for characters to die and come back to life? What does it mean for the Black Lanterns if the Black Lanterns are theoretically just trying to put things back to the way it's supposed to be? Right. As opposed to, they're monsters. Well, and for me, I think that what I enjoyed about the first issue, and this is going to sound really weird, but I thought Blackest Night was really funny. Um, and, and I actually, I don't think that he intended that either, but but I do think there's something sort of witty about the idea of Ralph Dibney and Sue coming back and killing Hawkman and Hawkgirl horribly. You know, like, there's something that I thought... Well, I, I th- I'm going to give him the benefit of that. I think that's intentional. I, 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 I think, especially after reading the comic Alliance interview, I think that he's meaning it to be funny and creepy because it's funny. Because they're not just we are monsters, rah. There's, there's a sense of, I don't know, a sense of familiarity to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's what he said. He's kind of like, oh, it's creepy because, you know, the funnier the character it is, the more disturbing that it is when it's... I don't, I'm not sure that it's that. I thought what was fascinating is, you know, the first issue of Identity Crisis is about the, is about the death of Sue Dibney. And in the first issue of Blackest Night, Sue Dibney comes back and helps kill two people. And there's something that's really funny about it like it's kind of almost a, a a parody of identity crisis and i don't think that that's what johns is going for i think johns is kind of i th- like you said he has some sort of idea of bigger balance on it like and i don't know in the post-crisis universe the thing that struck me are all those characters members of the original justice league um yes okay and that's the part well, that... hot, hot girl isn't right but but Hawkman, Hawkman, and Elongated Man, and yeah, 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 you know, and Martian Manhunter, and also Flash and Green Lantern are all members of the original Justice League, and I, I wondered if there was something going on with that too. If there was something that you know, that there was an intentional reason why he picked those people and matched them with these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought, I, I thought, you know, I. I thought that Blackest Night One was really funny. I, what disturbed me again, as as I you know said uh, to you uh, elsewhere, um, what kind of distressed me about it is for somebody who actually really has had uh, a horrible loss in his life, there seemed to be real no con- conception of death apart from a sort of narcissistic one. Um, you know, but I I. I I really want to argue with that because I think th- for two reasons. One, I think if you have had someone very close to you die, mm-hmm. it becomes very hard to deal with it. I mean, even if you're trying to deal with it, right? It it becomes very hard to openly deal with it, and you do almost go to cliche right. in order to do that. And I think you could. I think there's definitely a case, and again, I could be proved entirely wrong over the next seven months or however long it's going on. Um, I think we may see something coming from it that will be John's dealing with mm-hmm. the nature of grief and the nature of death. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that he's at least starting from a place where it's easier to deal with the comic book idea of death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, especially because there's certain things I think you just can't do in a Green Lantern comic. Mm-hmm. 
that I think, especially, I mean, I think you break the, I think you break the universe if you start really dealing with death. And especially with all of these characters have died and come back. What does death mean when you've died and come back, you know? And I, I think that if you really address that, if you really deal with true grief and true loss and true death in a world where half of your cast have died and come back, mm-hmm. you've broken it. It's just, it can't, you've, you've destroyed all tension. And you've brought too much awareness to the fact that every, that there is no tension. Hmm. Well, see, because I think you're in a fine line, because as you point out, one of the very first things that, that Johns is doing is pointing out that these characters have come back to life and it has thrown something out of balance. So you're sort of almost saying there's no way for this to for you to really deal with this except in a metatextual level. Yeah, and uh, or or else it won't end well. And I don't mean that in the sense of all your characters will end up dead, but I think your car- your readers will become too aware of right. everything that's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I think I think they're really, really, really close to that. I think as soon as you brought Barry Allen back, mm-hmm. you're at this point where everyone becomes... I mean, part I don't know if you're reading Flash Rebirth, but Kid Flash is in that book pointing out why can't Max Mercury come back? Mm-hmm. He's like, well, you came back, I came back. Mm-hmm. You know, and at that point, you're really close to just breaking it. Well, what I like is is that he brought that point up, and then, of course, at the end of that issue, you do see that Max Mercury is being held by something. You know, well, I don't want to give it away, but there is a very specific reason for John's bringing up those characters. Um, one of the things that I like it, it, with Flash Rebirth is he does do this thing of, like, you know, Kid Flash's point is is actually also... I guess the the one of the things on which the plot hinges. Why Barry mm-hmm. is back but Max Mercury isn't back is going to be the point as the series goes on. And mm-hmm. similarly, like you're saying, there seems to be an emphasis in Black Knight where the idea that these characters come back, the Black Lanterns come back and have an agenda, although it's a weird metatext thing in that the agenda seems to be with each death that they they have they gain more power so um at least if i'm following the the blackest night number one right because their their little their blue little black lantern ring power signature goes up after they've killed hawkman and hawkgirl i think Mm -hmm. isn't that correct yeah and part of that then becomes do they kill a certain number and then they're done right exactly or do they do they if they kill a certain Point and then they have the power to actually use the Black Lantern rings to do Black Lantern-y things as opposed to just run around and bash people, you know, or is it or it is or is it a metaphorical thing that Johns is saying that the more people actually die, sort of the more power death has, you know what I mean? The the meta I, statement. I have to admit, I think the the um, power signature going up is uh, the beginning of a dodge. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be when enough people die, they'll come back to life. Hmm. And I, I think they're going to use it to bring characters back. Hmm. Interesting. That that could be. I, I And I, I, I honestly believe that there's going to be some element of we've brought back Martian Man, we've brought back Elongated Man and Sue, 
but now they're tragic heroes because their lives have come back at the expense of, you know, San Diego or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which I, you know, I would really not put beyond anyone at DC. <laughs> yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, I don't know. That That's interesting. I kind of saw it as n- not so much a dodge, but it, it, it definitely has an extra weird element to the plot that's going to be like, okay... Either, you know, John's is literally saying, like, the concept of death gets stronger the more people that actually die and stay dead, or or he's going for some other weird thing in the plot. I, I don't know. Can we talk? Did you you read Legion of uh, Three Worlds? I want to bring up... Yes, uh, yes, I did. I, I, cause I, think I actually this... want to bring up that and also the Tales from the Core three-part series that came out, the, the Blackest Night spinoff that is just finished. Oh, good, 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 good. Which uh, I don't know if you read that, but that's essentially, like backup stories to introduce you to all of the different cores. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I'm, I did not read it. Um, and so I think it would be really kind of interesting. I don't know which one you want to talk about first. Well, what, what were you bringing up about Legion? What I was bringing out about Legion is what everyone seems to be talking about, which is Superboy Prime, you know, the ending with him. Oh, that, that I'm, I'm unusual because that ending really pissed me off. Ah. Really, really, really pissed me off. It was too on the nose. Have, you haven't read it, so you don't know the ending, right? I, I do know the end. The thing is, is I, I mean, I literally went on to like Scans Daily or something and saw the last three pages. I just don't know the, the what I hear everyone complaining about is the idea that the setup of Legion of Three Worlds is, is that Superboy Prime sort of has to be redeemed or something, and then the end of that doesn't actually seem to show any sort of redemption. I thought it was really scathingly funny, but I think that what's odd is I've seen Jeff Johns in a few places go, oh, no, 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 Superboy Prime is not is not a fan. He's not the fan. The fans are actually what are keeping him in his prison. And I'm like, well, what? You no, know? but you see, that, that just doesn't work by the time you get to the end of the series. But uh-huh. then the series, he is literally the stereotypical fan. He's in his parents' basement. He's reading the same comics as you and I. And he's going on to the same website. Right. You can't, it's unfair to say he's not really a fan. The, right. the, end, the end is explicitly saying that he is. Right. And, and when I heard that, when I heard that was the ending, I thought that that was hilarious. I mean, I hadn't followed the rest of it, but I really thought that, that John's hit was being incredibly um, kind of daring and audacious and, and hilarious. I, I don't, but of course I was what, what I really don't, what I really don't like about it is it's too on the nose. He mm-hmm. already was the fan. He was already making comments about the characters being dumb and he him preferring them when he was a kid to literally end up with him as the cliched fan mm-hmm. just feels like it's it was him going, do you get the joke right i'll I'll explain it to you if you don't get it <laughs> uh, i I just felt like it, it was trying too hard, but what's fascinating for me about that is. He's coming back already. And that's they've, they've, the part I find already, kind of problematic. They've already given the cover for Adventure Comics issue 4, mm-hmm. which is Superboy Prime coming back as part of Blackest Night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's just... If you're going to do that Superboy Prime, write him off. He's mm-hmm. done. You've, mm-hmm. you've said your bit. Right. Um, and I can, al- I can almost make an argument for the whole part of earlier on in Legion where... Superman says he must be redeemed. Mm-hmm. And then with that ending, because he isn't redeemed, but at the same time, he is 
put back in his place where he realizes what he has done wrong with his life. Or at least he has the potential to, because he actually doesn't. He, instead, he still blames everyone. Right. But there, there's the element of he's faced with everyone who he's been missing, and they reject him. Mm-hmm. And so he has the chance for to go for redemption, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even though he seems to be uh, refusing it. But he, right. the redemption is on is on offer to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as soon as you put him there, and then four months later say, "Oh, look, he's coming back for Blackest Night." I know. It's just no. They've got to let the character rest. But do you think that there might have been a problem because John's works far ahead that like. He thought it was going to be a year and a half between characters. But it's it's the, really possible because I mean, you know, when should Legion have finished? It should have finished like January, right? If they kept to their initial. I wasn't paying attention. I'm like, I don't know, at 2004. Like, I I don't know. I I, I think I think you're right. It, it really should it really should have been like the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whenever whenever the beginning of the year that was. Right. And um, and it's so being there's every, solicited there's every, for the end of the year. So you know. Yeah, there's every possibility that you know there would have been enough time had everything worked out. Exactly. But um, I don't know. I just feel that you put Superboy Prime there and you leave him, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the end of it. Otherwise. It seems like you're beating a dead horse, especially when you've made that explicit connection between Superboy Prime and the fans. Yeah, to me, there's no fun. It's never going to get either worse or better. Well, and maybe I'll be wrong, but I thought like the idea of literally giving him the, you know, the Earth Prime experience where he's back in the basement and he's trying to strike back by like by changing opinions on a message board it's really funny. I mean, at a meta level, too, if you think about it, does wouldn't it technically work? You know? Like, I mean, isn't that kind of the... Like, if, if I were in... If I knew about the knowledge of the Earths and suddenly I ended up on Earth Prime, wouldn't I try and get my revenge on Superman by getting a job at DC and, like, putting his shit through the ringer? You know what I mean? Like, sort of if Lex Luthor ended up on Earth Prime, wouldn't Grab that be the way? Kick your ass. Exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, this actually gets a little too close to my my secret origin of Mark Miller that I talked about in a fanboy rampage. Um, <laughs> did you ever read that one? I, yes. I should, yeah, where it, where it turns out that he actually yeah, he ends up on Earth Prime and decides to get a job as a comic book writer so he can take. But you 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 totally have to put that on Savage Critics now. Yeah, because okay. not, not enough people actually have read your fanboy rampages, and they really should. No, oh, oh. my goodness, choke. <laughs> exactly yes joke um, but no to talk about um, Tales of the Core mm-hmm. Tales of the Core illustrates to me a, another problem with Blackest Night completely away from the Black Lanterns which is there's too much story in Blackest Night mm-hmm. Blackest Night is not only supposed to be Black Lanterns but it's supposed to be the war of all the different coloured lanterns right which I think and is a mistake a, yeah. that's far too much story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's going to end up I don't know unless he has an incredible plan which is possible and to be honest part of this superboy return in adventure comics might be a great dodge as well like we've just seen a cover and we're assuming it could be a wonderful dodge that they're planning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but it just feels like too much it feels like there is so much story potential there that they're just rushing through yeah and they're going to end up forcing into all of this i would rather read blackest night being black lanterns and then finishing Right. And then read about all the different lanterns. Right, and bring to really have it be the War of the Lanterns after. But but as it is, it is kind of that sort of 
where you get the sense that Jeff Johns likes Michael Bay movies a little too much. I get the sense he's kind of like, no, no, no. Lord, the only way that Lord of the Rings could be more awesome is if you also make it Dawn of the Dead with superheroes at the same time. You know what I mean? Like It's kind of like, no, that's going to make it worse. No, it's going to make it totally awesome because the stakes can never be higher. You know? But again, maybe he's leading towards some sort of wonderful reveal. Mm-hmm. What I'm worried about is it's going to end up being everyone against the Black Lanterns. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they all hold hands and heal the world with love. <laughs> you know, I, I'm worried that it's going to end up being rage must work with will to overcome death or something like that. Well, I, um, because I, I feel, I feel like that's just going to be a betrayal of the groundwork he's been laying for like four years now or something. Well, I mean, as you as you point out, the rage works with will. It, Laura Hudson's great little interview does have him talk very specifically about how the rings work together. Which I thought was, you know, again, kind of really sort of enjoyably sensible. I, I just think that, here's what I think. I think what's going to happen is it's everybody fighting against the black, you know, against Blackest Night, against the zombies. Maybe they'll come together, maybe they won't. But they're all going to lose until the White Lantern shows up, whoever the hell that happens to be. And then that's that That'll have to be Hal. Come on. Do you think? It's, al- it's always Hal. Mm-hmm. It's always Hal. Right now, Hal has been a Green Lantern, a Blue Lantern, a Red Lantern, and the Orange Lantern. Oh, yeah, you're right. He he's has. been all. Yeah. So, so right. it, it's got to be Hal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going to end up being the White oh, Lantern. Oh, and, and, and he was a Yellow Lantern for a while as well. Was he? I think, I could be wrong, but I think it's Sinestro Court at some point. He has one of Sinestro's rings. Mm-hmm. He was Parallax for a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's true. He was Parallax. So, you know, uh, let me ask you: Did does it seem like I picked up an issue of Hulk, like just for like two seconds to flip through it and notice that Rick Jones was now the Blue Hulk? Is yes, yeah, he's not Blue Hulk. He's a bomb. Yeah, 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 but you know what I mean. Like he's <laughs> Blue Hulk, and there's fucking Red Hulk and Green Hulk. I'm like. Is this just like, again, in this weird synchronicity world, is Jeff Loeb just basically doing the whole Lantern Corps bullshit, but with no, different I, colored I, hulks? I think he's literally just like riffing off colors. I don't think he's doing the same thing at all. No? Yeah. Well, be, well, because each character isn't necessarily expressing a particular emotion. Yeah, um, I mean, basically it's um, the Red Hulk is the Red Hulk because red is danger. And like red is the opposite of green. That's it. The blue, the blue thing, <laughs> really. And the the blue, um, the blue thing is just it's blue. It's a color. There's ah. there's nothing connected to it. Ah, I love the idea. Red is danger, and green means go, and yellow Hulk means slow down at intersections. <laughs> I the worst part is that's probably true. That's probably where he'll go with that. I I guess what I was saying is is it would not surprise me if if what Loeb's going to do is basically give you like. 12 hulks eventually punching each other out, which shows you how clearly I know my color wheel. I don't know how many colors he's going for, but there's going to be all these colored hulks. Think about it for a second. Red, orange, yellow, green, indigo, blue, violet. Mm -hmm. That's that's the colors. See, you didn't bother to count, and I didn't either, because I can't count. So I'm like, that's 12? Okay, all right. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be great. My cover is like, Finally, everyone will know I cannot read. Choke. That's going to be my little thought balloon as I'm standing here the day the podcast cried. 
Yeah. Uh, okay. Seven. So right. So there's going to be there's going to be a Hulk spectrum essentially in about another. Well, at the rate Jeff Loeb's going, like three hundred issues where they're all kind of like pounding on each other, and it's. But hey, Bruce Banner can't become the Hulk anymore. That was the end of Hulk six hundred. Yeah. I'm not quite sure how that worked at all. Having read Hulk six hundred, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> what? Happened. Although, you've just completely reminded me out of nowhere. Did you read Amazing Spider-Man 600? I did not, no. It's a glorious package. I mean, seriously, 104 pages with Dan Slott really channeling, like, Spider-Man annuals from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Really, really strongly channeling it. A really shitty Stan Lee story, but that's what you've come to expect at this point. And some great one-page covers of stories they would never let us do. Yeah, I would love to see that. I'll probably pick it up. I think they were, you know, of course they were sold out at Comics Experience when it went this last week. So, because it came out a couple of weeks ago, like it yeah, it came out. It came out the same time as San Diego, I think. Yeah. Okay. So I totally missed it. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to hunt up a copy. But, um, but that was that. That's worth picking up. You'd say. Uh, yeah, I was. I'm. I have to admit, I actually I'm a fan of of the current Spider-Man setup. I think it's. I think it's really working out. I think Steve Walker's doing a really good job as the editor. Mm-hmm. And I think 600 was a really nice example of what they can do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're always going to get people who are like, I don't care, he's divorced. But I I don't care. Do you know what I mean? Like, ultimately, I can't bring myself to really care whether he made a deal with the devil or not. Because mm-hmm. he did. His writers did. You know, I, I really can't have that feeling at all. Well, and the nice thing is he got as far as I can tell, his character is mind wiped. So it's not like he's swinging around the city going, Oh, if only I could remember about what this deal with the devil was about, or, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't, he doesn't know. So, um, the, the, like it, it does make it easier that he doesn't remember. And so, you know, you're just like, Oh, Hey, great fun adventure, you know, super happy fun times. I'm yeah, exactly. okay with that. It's, it's a really nice retro feel to it. Mm-hmm. I think every time I've tried to hop on, the Spider-Man bus, it, it just is moving a little too quickly for me to stay on. You know, it's like, I'll pick up the very last part of somebody's arc that I really like, and then it's going to be, and no disrespect to them, but like Joe Kelly and Chris Bacalo, who I just kind of don't like as much. And I'm kind of like, eh. And then I sort of fall back off the bus. I don't make it a point to if, go. If you could pick up like a Mark Wade issue. Mm-hmm. I did. Uh, I in fact, that, in yeah. fact, the next... I think this week is Mark Wade, and then the next couple of issues are Fred Van Lanty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're pretty much guaranteed like fun right. for the next few the next few weeks. Yeah, no, and I did. I read I read the two parter where he's helping the people in the subway, and I'm like, hey, this is great. And then whatever the next issue was, I was like, yeah, I don't really care. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I, I mean, it's one of those deals where uh, to to get back to um, uh, was it uh, Doss Bender's question? Uh, in in a way. My drawback is now that I follow creators, it's very hard for me to follow uh, one book with a rotating team um, like Amazing Spider-Man because there's going to be stuff that I love and then there's going to be stuff where I'm like, eh. And whereas in the past when I was like a hardcore, like, oh, I'm buying Spider-Man, it doesn't matter who's doing it, I would have stuck through it. Now I'm just kind of at the stage where like sort of any excuse for me to sort of jump back off the bandwagon unless I tell Hibbs, you know, that I want to sign up for it, 
you know, and that I'm going to be getting issues, you know, for the next So you're a months. snob is what you're saying. No, that's not so much a snob because <laughs> I'll pick up the issue and I'll try it, but I'll just kind of be like, eh, I don't, I don't, I can talk myself back into it. I mean, it's one of those things that's really, you know, Hibbs is always talking about good jumping on points and good jumping off points and how frequently, you know, people, creators have to be careful that they don't make a good jumping you know what seems to be a a, a, a game changer is actually a, a jumping off point for fans the thing that's kind of rough with with amazing spider-man is it's like a carousel i i just i keep jumping on and then jumping off and jumping on and jumping off because i'm i'm like well i don't care about those guys or i kind of like this or i kind of like that you know i mean it's like i'll pick up an issue i'm like this art is fantastic then the next issue the art's not so great and spider-man's fighting like some guy who's like a you know, it's like, I want a new villain, but not when the new villain is like some pizza guy who's been brought back from the dead to, you know, deliver his last pizza from beyond the grave to the, the gang enforcer who killed him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's an actual story, by the way, but... I, I would like to say that the sound you're hearing right now is me ripping up my pitch for the new Ghost Rider series. That I was... <laughs> you're right. Ghost Rider would make an excellent delivery person, wouldn't he? That's kind of... I don't know why that never occurred to me. That would be great. Damn it! <laughs> oh, well, we should, like, get some, some paper here. Hold on, let's see if I can... Can you hear that? Did that actually work? <laughs> that, that worked. Well okay. done. Good. Well Thank done, you. sound effect, Jeff. <laughs> I, I could have actually gone and mixed that in later, but nope, I actually <laughs> tore up the postcard for my dental tooth cleaning, so... Uh, so, so have we, like, sorted out Blackest Night? To we to come to any sort of conclusion? Because I, I feel like we just, again, I feel like today is the day where we're recording podcasts which just go off on tangents and never come back. You know, you're right. I think actually Blackest Night, we did not actually get to any sort of meaningful point. Let's see how we're looking for time here because we might want to finish this one up a little we're, bit. We're, we're getting near 30 minutes, which is why I asked for 29 yeah. yeah, 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 um, very smart. Okay, here's what I'm going to say about Blackest Night in that case. Okay. Blackest Night, I think, has a strong start, but has so much potential to go off the rails that I almost don't want to admit that I think it has a strong start. Excellent. I, I think he's a really smart I think Jeff Johns is a smarter writer than he gets a lot of credit for. But I, I would be really worried that he's going to end up surrendering to his worst impulses to dazzle as opposed to get to the emotional core of the story that I think he wants to tell. Exactly, because that is Jeff Johns' flaw. Is he? I think he, he can do some awesome stuff as far as characterization goes, and he comes up with some really really intelligent you know, ways of thinking through an idea and working up a spin on it. He just always ends up giving in, well, not always, but a huge chunk of the time, he ends up giving in to the stuff that's usual, usually the dazzle, and the dazzle is usually something that's kind of gross and yucky frankly. I mean, I think one of the things, I picked up that, I went back and read the issue where the, it's the, the issue of the story of Black Hand, you know, mm-hmm. where Black Hand, you know, uh, you, you get his origin and then he essentially kind of blows his own brains out and then is recreated as the first Black Lantern. And uh, it was kind of yucky. It was kind of an icky experience. I mean, it was kind of enjoyably icky, but I have to say that, like, part of me was, like, if I didn't hadn't remembered, like, 20-some-odd issues ago where, like, uh, Hector Hammond is, like, rubbing his nipples and talking about Hal Jordan in a, in a disquieting way, it would have more of an effect, you know? I mean, he, I, I think Johns is, at this point, 
his dazzle slash shock is is such a devalued currency you know it's it's like the german marks before world war ii it's like he's going to have to trade in an entire wheelbarrow of them to get one you know half satisfied grunt of gosh that was kind of cool from from most people and meanwhile he's not really engaging i think in some of the emotional core that that could make things more uh interesting to me like I think that I think that my problem with Blackest Night is as intelligent and interesting as it is. There is there is kind of a pandering that he does that Johns himself does not even see as pandering, which is a let's go for the coolest thing you can think of deal that is going to undo him. And additionally, I think there's kind of a level of. Um, I, I do think that that what Johns does is he he is disingenuous at a deep level. Like there is a point where Jeff Johns is saying on a message board, "Oh no 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 no, Superboy Prime is not the was not the fans," you know. And it's like I don't believe him. There's something about Jeff Johns that I just do not believe. Like there's something kind of inherently disingenuous in what he does. Now that could be because I've had very limited contact with Jeff Johns as a person and he struck me at the time as A, a professional's professional and B, somebody who would do whatever it takes to be a professional's professional, if that makes any sense. Um, I, I don't even know what that means. I, 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 I don't. I don't know if that's an insult or a compliment. Well, that's because I don't. I'm not entirely sure whether it's an insult or a compliment either. Like I, I deeply admire. Like, okay, to 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 dig into. Um, <laughs> well, okay, I tell you what. It's past. So, the, we, I was gonna say, do we want to get into the story in public? I, I, yeah. I know this. I know the story, and I'm not sure that you want to get into the story in public. What I will what I will say is this: I think Jeff Johns gets a lot of shit from people who think he's more of a Jeff Loeb than he actually is. I think Jeff Johns has a lot more intelligence and a lot more integrity than a lot of people give him credit for. I agree with that, and I think that the problem is when his definition of what the story needs is not what other people's definition is. Mm-hmm. That it leads to um, people overreacting on both sides. Interesting. That is a, a brilliant diplomatic way of, of putting it. I guess what I would say is is that Jeff Johns is smarter than people give him credit for. Unfortunately, I don't think people realize how ambitious he actually is, maybe including Jeff Johns, and, and so he has a tendency to go for the smart in the ambitious sense of the term move rather than the smart in terms of the artistically satisfying move, if you see what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I both agree and disagree. I, 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 I genuinely feel that I genuinely feel that he is someone who as much as anything is setting out to entertain. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is definitely a critical contingent who don't think that's enough. I don't and I, th- I think that's one of the reasons why Jeff Loeb gets a lot of shit as well. Uh-huh. I, I think there's definitely a, uh, not an, uh, um, 
an intellectual snobbery, but there's definitely some form of people who think that... Uh, I think there are a lot of journeyman comic creators who do very good, very entertaining work that will never change the world, mm-hmm. and I think they get looked down upon. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think there's definitely a place for them, and I think that Loeb and, and John's and other creators as well get lumped in with they did not go far enough for me, therefore I think their work is not of enough value. And I, I think that's invalid. I think that's as a snobbery. Well, I think it, to me it's not necessarily snobbery, but might be, what might be um, equally invalid is kind of the idea that it's not that what they're trying to do is entertain and be awesome, but their love definition of awesome is not my definition of awesome. In other words, Jeff Johns is, and I'm not saying this is, by the way, but Jeff Johns' conception of awesome might be uh, bad boys, and my conception of awesome might be diehard. You know what I mean? So I think that he has a tendency to go for the awesome in a big super way that maybe isn't to my taste. I, I don't I don't think I have any snobbery for it. I just think that that it's sort of following a bad example. That I can that it's sort of it's like what we're getting back to. I think that Jeff Johns <laughs> to go back a podcast, Jeff what Jeff Johns is trying to do is is capture that big summer movie going experience and he will do it at the sacrifice of making what we think of as a good movie. There we go. Well said. Thank you. I will I will give you that. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, only took me an hour and a half to make a point. <laughs> um I think, sir, that we should um end this here for okay. the, the kind listeners who have listened to us for this long. And then come back for one last go around to answer some other questions that I want to ask you. Ooh, okay. You but- only if I get to ask you at least one question in return. I think. That's okay, then. That sounds like a plan. Okay, I'll talk to you. Uh, I, I actually get to go run and pee. Choke. So, <laughs> let, let me call you. I'll wow. probably be about TMI, listeners. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>